number one, you'll build absolute rock star resume content with that. And number yeah. two, inevitably, there's always one day, one time only, one occasion you're going to use this one niche piece of technology never again. But inevitably, that's the thing you got to know how to talk about to get into your next job. And either you got stuff written down about it, you can go back and add to your resume and, and sound intelligent about it, or you're the guy that shows up to the interview <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of worked with it one time. I sort of remember. And they're like, no, you've never seen this in your life. You know, and it's you, you see, so you can set yourself up big time uh, for success with doing that. That's a that's a huge thing, especially, um, you know, I, I think universally across IT, um, you know, focus on the keywords, write everything down step by step. What did you do? Welcome to the Tech Guide Podcast. I'm the show's host, Ryan Atkinson. Everyone is wanting to break into tech and have a successful career. The only problem is how. We'll use this podcast to sit down with people that have broken into tech, pivot their career, or have actual advice to young working professionals. Today, we have Matt Jones on the podcast to talk about his advice to those wanting to break into IT, why cybersecurity is so hard to break into, and when and how you should negotiate a job offer. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast and share with any other friends that may want a tech guide. You can also learn more about us at techguide.org. We have Matt Jones on the podcast today. Thank you for being here, Matt. Super excited to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. And what I always like to know about people before we dive into the podcast, I always like to know how do you de-stress from work? You had a long day, a long week. What are some of the ways that you take your mind off of work? I do a lot of gardening. Yeah, like that's something I picked up in my old age, but I have other hobbies. I, I play a lot of music and I've also been rebuilding a go-kart lately. And that's been fun. Yeah. But you know, between those two things, I mean, that occupies a lot of my time between all of that stuff. But I have a, we have, lately it's been fixing the pool for about a week. It's a lot of, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of hands-on activity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do a little bit of art as well. I, I do like to stay busy, but. I love it. And you have been staying busy because in the past like five years or so, you've been in talent acquisition and recruiting. I'm curious, how did you know you wanted to get into recruiting? Was it just a calling or what was some of the ways that made you want to say, I want to get into recruiting? So in all honesty, it was just being at a loss for what to do. I. Hmm. I if I had known that it was even a career I could have at a college, I would have been doing that a lot longer. Wow. Uh, I got out of school and, and with a con major, most people don't want, uh, didn't want really a whole lot to do with me. And I didn't know really where to target and how to go about doing that. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is the knowing how to and, and how to frame that, in, that information and make yourself appealing for those kind of roles. I, if you're in the job search for long enough, at some point in time, you know, you start wearing past six months or so. The only people that really start bothering you all the time are like insurance companies come sell our stuff for commission only. And, you know, and at one point I finally got desperate and I was just like, I got to do something. So I did that and I hacked it for about three years. Mid management, I was our branch field manager and recruiting manager, I apologize. And I brought on a, a few people, mainly people that I knew from college that were looking to do an internship or have any kind of office experience where they wore a suit and went to the office five days a week. But I, I did that for a little while. and. I, it kind of dawned on me towards the end of my time there, they started offering extra money to recruit for the firm. And it was a lot easier than making calls to 65 year olds about their Medicare. And for me, that was just, that was a night and day difference. And this is a lot easier to do this. So I, I you know, I just went for it. I left there and I, I, I applied for a job without even really thinking about it. I clicked on a, on a job for a recruiting position with Mass Mutual. It's a Fortune 100 financial group. And mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was going to take a different job 
And at the last minute, like the day before him, there was like a sign bonus on the line with the other guys and everything, but they called me the day before and I said, Hey, you've had some experience in the industry. You know what it takes to survive at least. Maybe you can help us identify the right kind of people to do this. And so I, I went in and met with them and without having really been paid as a specifically as a recruiter before, and I, I thought about it for a while. Whenever I got an important decision to make, like I usually call my dad and I talked to him about it and told him about the offer that they were going to make because they had the same day offer. And wow. he, he kind of told, we, we talked for a while and he knew that I'd done a little bit of recruiting, but not that I'd been so fully dedicated to it. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of knew, knew the, the real deal on that. And he said, well, yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity, probably the best one you've seen yet, but can you do it? And mm-hmm. it took me all of like two seconds to think about it. Yeah. I, of course I can do this. I've been getting people to go along with me my whole life on stuff. How many times did we get in trouble growing up that I got somebody in trouble with me? And <laughs> he, he just kind of laughed for a minute and said, yeah, you probably do. You probably would do pretty well at it. I'd be selling insurance. Sure. I got into that there and I, I, I did really well right out of the gate. I located some really key players. During my time there, I, I brought on our loan office tech support guy. And during this time, met my wife, she's, she was in tech recruiting and was telling me, go do, get out of what you're doing. It's really, cause I was coming home, just gray in the gray in the hair and, and yeah. just <laughs> exhausted because it's a sell process to get somebody on a commission only recruiting. And yeah, I, uh, she was like, everybody will get paid. They'll appreciate you for it. And that was, that was all I needed to hear. So I, 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 I took the guy out that I had brought on for a tech support guy. I sat him down and I was like, I'll take you to lunch, brought in a notepad. And I was like, tell me everything you do from the beginning you get here to the end of the day. And started making notes, all the keywords and stuff. And my content updated the content on my resume to, to focus around the, the, the technical guy I'd brought on. Um, and it was enough to get me in. I, I worked for about six months with one firm. They had all their eggs in one basket and, uh, that program got axed and I, I was a junior guy. So I got let go. I, I ended up landing at VIP and I've been there ever since I got lucky with a phenomenal salesperson that was our, our kind of managing director. And we were essentially a startup branch. The company itself, VIP staffing is about 30 years old. Um, but you know, our branch was, was brand new and he had been running full desk for about six months or so. And I, I joined on and we just, we crushed it. We, the, the chemistry was there. We did really, really well together. And uh, we've been, been doing that ever since we, I've, we've helped build a team and it's, it's now a couple million dollar a year business, at least on mine and one other person's production. It's pretty, pretty solid, but I, I, I love doing it. It's something where I know how, I know the struggle of not knowing how to go after what you want. I know the struggle of, of wanting something more, but not knowing how to attain it. And I certainly know the struggle of being in between jobs and the, like the, the mindset that one goes through during that time. And it, it, for me, any opportunity to help is something I, I take advantage of. And that's part of my strategy long-term. I've done a lot of talent farming where usually one or two times a week, I'll spend an hour just fielding random people that reach out to me on LinkedIn or whatever. Hey, can you, can you help me with this? Sure. And sure. most of the time they'll, uh, you know, my thinking is, especially, especially with certain niche skill sets or whatever, helping somebody get in the door. They will remember who got them in the door at, at the beginning of their career. And they'll usually take your call three to four years down the road. So I make a lot less cold calls than, than the average. Um, but I've been doing that for now enough years that I'm starting to harvest out of these farms that I've got. I've got a couple clients, a couple companies in town I don't work with because I use them to talent farm uh, that'll take more entry level people. And I just, I know what they're looking for in a resume. So I just help people do that and get in and then come back later. Uh, nice. But yeah, I've enjoyed doing that. It's, uh, yeah, I love what I do. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it and it's a great career. 
you talked about like the resume and like you have like you've helped people like with resumes and whatnot sure. and like optimize like keywords for resumes when companies when you're working with companies now like what are some of like the resumes like what are some of the keywords you're here in the it industry that they're looking for um i would say it really depends on on what kind of facet of it are you going into software development are you going into infrastructure are you going into cybersecurity? generally on the infrastructure side you're going to commonly Anybody that, whether it's network or system side or otherwise, from the help desk all the way up to an engineer, I'm going to look for Active Directory because it's going to tell me if they've actually worked in an IT department or not. Because <laughs> 99% of companies use it. It looks the same everywhere you go. And people either know, it's like riding a bike. They either know how to do it and they pick that with them everywhere or, or not. But they, I look for that. I look for basic ticketing software, first down, whatever. Some network stuff, depending on the nature of the business. I work with a lot of managed service providers. So that there's a few more keywords that are, relevant to places like that then because in a place like that they don't get siloed when i mm. siloed you're working in a big enterprise setting network guys just work on the on the network side system guys work on the system stuff nobody crosses over there's no multiple hats yeah but that, and that's why i like working with managed service providers especially for anybody that's like trying to get their start in the tech career because you'll come out of there 10 times more employable and 10 times more versatile than you could ever get in an enterprise setting Plus, you get to do things at a much higher level. For an example, you bring on a new client that's an MSP, you're going to gut the old IT infrastructure and install all your own. Well, that's going to include defining group policy for an organization where in, in, in your, yeah. any kind of enterprise, somebody did that 10 years ago. So there's a lot of really cool things that you get to do that are a lot more high level, a little more advanced in that kind of a setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's one area that I would look for. But it means, I would say Active Directory ticketing software. Um, any kind of network protocols that they work with, if they're doing any networking, what kind of topology is it? WAN, LAN, yeah. VLAN, WLAN, VPN. I always tell people the best way that I would describe it is you want to think about anything that is a proper noun in technology that you're having to deal with. If it's a, you get, if you got a capitalizer or it comes in an acronym and it's technology related, be it a hardware, software, tool, technology, methodology, scripting, language, whatever, those are, each one of those adds dollar value to your resume. So the, the, now, caveat to that, you also need to be able to validate it somewhere in your work history. Yeah. Um, you're right. And a lot of times people kind of find themselves in the catch 22 for, well, I need experience to get a job, but I can't get a job without experience. Yeah. And there's ways, that, there's ways around that. I think one of the problems that, that a lot of people face is the most businesses, employers will have a mentality of, well, school doesn't count as experience, right? yeah. whether or not you were hands on with anything. And I, I get that to an extent, right? But the ways to actually get what I would call partial credit for it is to be able to validate all that experience there in detail, right? The great equalizer in tech, especially when it comes down to like an interview setting, for example, is you can, if you can recite something step-by-step step exactly how to do it correctly, mm -hmm. the experience doesn't matter. Be it you got 10 years or the guy next to you has got 20. If you know how to tell them exactly how to do it, they know you know how to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's something where that, that, that process is part of what I do in resume building with people. I build out a lot of questionnaires that'll have like seven or eight questions, very open-ended questions with some prompts on there. Like, hey, tell me about your experience with Active Directory. Did you do group policy? Did you do create new users, this, that, or the other? Yeah. Um, and and I, it kind of helps them to to capture some of that stuff in the detail level that I would want. And then I, I just get, where was that at? When was that at? And get it on the resume. But, you know, the more step-by-step -step you can articulate, the guy who articulates best is 100% of the time the guy that's going to get the job. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a big problem that a lot of people run into is, is an inability to articulate. 
Mm. Uh, and that exercise that I do with people tends to help make that a little more organic. And it also pulls that information in the front of your main mind. It makes it a lot easier in an interview setting to recall it. Yeah. What um, is the, what is the framework that you like do or the exercise that you do with clients to so, help them? You know, so what I'll do is I'll send them out. I've got a little eight question questionnaire or whatever. Yeah. Uh, for one for infrastructure, I've got one for software development, whatever. And it, it'll, it'll just be these eight open-ended questions. Tell me about your experience with X. I use the same one from a help desk guy to an engineer level. And, and the only difference mm. is the, the depth of the answers I'll get and the diversity of, of the kind of experience that they've worked with. Yeah. But, you know, like it'll be what kind of networking have you, have you done administration, engineering, or even support of a, of a network? Yeah. What topology was it? How many users was it? Those kind of things. And, um, from there I, I can, I can, I, I basically, I'll just gut that whole thing and turn it into bullet points. And I, that's, I try and make it easy on people as possible. You know, tell them it's, I know it's tedious, but I promise it works. And yes, you know, so I'll take a page long run on sentence. If it, if it gets it to me fine and it's faster, I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, but whatever I got to do to help them focus on the content piece as opposed to where to put a comma. Interesting. So it's like breaking down like a long paragraph into like bullet points that you can talk about or, and then being able Correct. to articulate. Yeah. And I'll that. get that under their resume and, and just under their work history per which employer it was at. Okay. Interesting. And so it's important to articulate it on like a resume, but it's also art important to articulate it in a job interview to actually, Very, like you said, talk yeah. about it uh, step by step by step. Do you use any framework for that or is it just practice or like what tips would you give for articulating your message so, in an interview? I would say a lot of that will come out on their own if they're able to, to complete the questionnaire, even if they can't do all of it, if they can get half yeah. of it and the answers are detailed, they're on the right track. If somebody needs a little more coaching, what I'll, I'll tell them yeah. you know, generally is when you don't know how to answer a technical question about something you have experience with, yeah. you're not sure how to articulate it, fall back to what are the, what are the three tickets I have most commonly dealt with? And then mm. what is the one ticket that was the most difficult that I've dealt with in this and yep. talk about that because that, that, that's something that they should be able to talk about. If they've done it, that, that's a good place for them to, to recall. Okay. Cause they know what they're dealing with every day. If, if, if all they're doing is password resets, they're going to know about it. Yeah. So that's, that's generally kind of my fallback advice to people is, is focus on those things. And also I would say, you know, in terms of interview coaching, the number one thing that kills interviews for people is the TMI. Mm. Uh, yeah, people will, will, will answer with, they'll say, well, tell me about your experience with the active directory and what people will answer is they'll tell you everything that they have or everything that they don't <laughs> have experience doing in there. Yeah. And, and the best way to answer those kind of questions is just specifically what you do, what you know how to do, what you can do, and then just leave it alone. Um, mm. if, if they pointedly ask you about something and you don't have experience with it, then, then tell them, but you don't need to, you don't need to discredit yourself by talking about all the things you can't do. And, and it's a trap that so many people fall into. And I, I, I think it's maybe a symptom of imposter syndrome people yeah. deal with, but you know, just avoid doing that at all costs and, and you stick to what they say, tell them exactly what you can do with it and, and leave it at that. Even if it's just one thing, if you know how to do that one thing, tell them about that one thing. Nice. I'm curious. Um, so let's just say someone is in school right now and they're wanting to break into like cybersecurity for a reason. We were talking a little bit before the podcast, but what are some of like the, the misconceptions right now? If you are a senior in college and you want to break into cybersecurity, what are some of the misconceptions that come with that? Or like, what should they be on the lookout for? So the first thing that, that people should know, especially if they're going to, to get a degree in cybersecurity or what have you, there aren't really entry-level positions. It's not an entry-level field. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the per, pervade, pervasive thinking around it, around it is how are you going to secure IT infrastructure if you've never worked in IT infrastructure? Because mm. there's gonna there's so many different combinations, so many different environments, and unless you've seen a few of them, you're not going to be able to adequately remember. And the other thing is that they're mainly teaching theory. You're not mm. teaching hands on. They're not teaching you how to configure a firewall. They're teaching you about NIST frameworks, <laughs> which is fine. People need to know that, but they're not gonna they're gonna get faced with oh well, you don't have experience with anything we used. We can't hire you. So mm. the best way to go about it to get into cybersecurity, there's like three ways to get in. One of them, either be a high-level coder with 10 years of experience, so that's probably out for you. Yeah. Get a high-level auditing cert, like a CISSP. But again, they're going to want equal experience having having put that to use um, most of the time, so that's probably out. The third way is spend a few years in IT infrastructure. Start, you know, I always tell people trying to avoid taking the help desk role, take a desktop tech role. There's a lot more upward mobility. The skill sets are pretty much the same. They get paid several bucks more an hour, and it's really just for the people skills. Because mm. yeah, they're going to go out to workstations and help people and show them what went wrong, how to fix it, how to avoid that happening again. Because of their people interactions, they get paid a little more. They also get cross-trained a whole lot more. Uh, Interesting. By the network or system. So yeah, there's a lot more upward mobility. I see so many people that'll get trapped in the help desk role and they'll do it for 20 years. It's just, they don't know how to get up and out of it. And it's, yeah, there's, I think there's a thinking of kind of once a help desk person, always help desk person. And there's just, so it's, it's hard to to dig out of that if you go into it, but at the end of the day, any port in a storm, right? Um, yeah. But wherever you can get your get your foot in the door, start there and, and work your way up. But once you hit the, about the network or system admin type level, you're already dipping your foot in either through like identity and access management on the system side, or maybe like yeah. endpoint management. So there's there's a lot of different ways in, but that's the most effective one. And that's the one where you're gonna actualize income with increases along the way quickest to get to that point. Um, with a lot less heartache, there's so much, so many more jobs th- that are out there for that, that yeah. that's the way to go in, go in and go about it. So a lot of people won't have that experience, but if they're, if they take the time to look before they get out of school and find those type of roles, then they're maybe a little more hireable into that field right out of school. Um, Interesting. yeah, but otherwise just start there. That's the best place to start and the best place to learn and, and kind of cut your teeth. Nice. Interesting. And let's just say you're in it for like. I mean, like, what resources would you point someone to, like, learn cybersecurity? Is it, like, actually, like, hands-on, like, learning with it or their certification? I mean, most, like, most curriculums don't really give you what you need, right? Yeah. Because, again, it's so much in, it's so much theoretical knowledge and not really the hands-on mm. stuff. Because how, how do you teach a curriculum to, to account for as many different products and technical environments as are going to be out there? You can teach somebody AWS all day, and then the, at the end of the day, it's going to be Azure everywhere they go. Yeah. Or vice versa, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that you can't really... I can understand from a curriculum standpoint why it's that way, but I don't think that the the way they advertise it is accurate or or as honest as it could be because I, I think they just don't know. Mm. But yeah, that's I, 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 teach, I talk about this with a number of the local community colleges. I do this at ECPI. I talk about it at Hallmark and LeaderQuest, My Computer Career. A couple of those places have kind of had that same conversation with people. Like. In terms of certification, it's another good way to get started. Mm-hmm. Never take a security plus first. That certification is worthless <laughs> and because it's a glorified vocabulary test, yeah, in, yeah. in my opinion. So, and I think most everybody knows that. So you're better off taking any of the hands-on stuff. Take an A plus, take a, take a network plus or server plus, something like that. Security plus should always be the last one. I talked to the ECPI about that recently about their curriculum and making everything else prerequisite to get into the cybersecurity. Mm. I don't know if they're going to do it, but that would be my hope. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm curious, like, so what are like other typical career paths for someone that's like an IT professional and how do they defer based on the like specialization that someone wants to do? Can you kind of yeah. get a of all of them? There's a lot of different ways they could go, right? Uh, and it kind of depends on how wide of a stroke you want to paint with when you're talking about different IT roles, right? Because there's stuff yeah. that's, that's in an IT that maybe not may, may not be technical. They may be a technical account manager. They may be a salesperson in technology. Yeah. So they work in tech, right? But they're not really as technically minded. Um, I would say some other really big ones that I see a lot of people go after. Project management's a huge thing there because there's so yeah. much implementation, so many software projects, all these kind of different things, infrastructure upgrades. Project management is a huge opportunity, especially for somebody who who can maybe whiteboard it all out, but doesn't have the hands-on con configuration type level knowledge yeah, with yeah. themselves, but can orchestrate it and has the people skills to, to collaborate with everybody and pull them all together. That's a great way. And that's an easy career path. And you start as a coordinator somewhere and, and hack that for a little while. You may go into release management. You may go into... Yep. Yeah, implementation specifically. You could, there's a lot of different opportunities there in project management. And then obviously software is a big one as well. Um, if someone, so like, what are the different like roles that someone should have? If they want to go into like project management, I mean, what should they consider that like, okay, I really need to excel at this. If they want to go into software, they really need to excel at this. Well, so for project management, I would say start as a, your, the easiest way is probably find a project coordinator role. You, you may take a, you may, you may get into something like that coming out of working in the infrastructure a little bit. That's mm -hmm. tech person may be doing windows migrations or other large scale projects yeah. on a, on a big scale and, and have to learn how, how some of that interoperation works. The, the, the biggest money in it is generally what I've seen is, is on the software development project managers. Those guys usually tend to clean up pretty well. Mm. Um, or anybody doing like big implementations, um, on, you know, in that, in that kind of a space. But in terms of skill sets, the best thing that they can learn, obviously PPM tools, uh, project portfolio management tools, Microsoft Project, Trello, Asana, Workday, or sorry, work, Workfront, Monday, those mixed up there, Jira with Confluence. I mean, there's so many of them that you could use, but those are, that's a, a nice wave to be able to, to track multiple, you know, projects or, 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 or parts of projects going on. Um, that's a, that's a great one to get. In terms of theory knowledge and, 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 and things like that, it'd be always, always good to get either PMP is always a rock solid certification to have. You can usually find those, you can do it sometimes over a weekend. You just got to have the hours of projects that you've worked to, to back that up, to be able to get it done over the weekend. Mm. Um, or, um, any kind of scrum master certifications are generally really useful. Uh, cause a lot of times in the software development stuff, they're going to be working with that. So learning all of those things, uh, learning software development lifecycle, learning the different methodologies, your waterfall and agile, that's, that stuff's going to play really well. That's going to give you kind of an idea on, on the overall, the goals and the process on you know, how we're getting from A to B. I would also say that you know, like the way that a business analyst would work in terms of communicating between a development team and the actual needs and, and kind of mm -hmm. being able to translate all that between each group, that is a hugely useful skill that I see a lot of project managers kind of double duty and they'll kind of have to do some of that too and vice versa. So that's a very useful skill set to have as well, I would say. Awesome. Sexy sick. And we're kind of we're winding down on time here. I'm curious because yep. I saw a case study on the VIP website. I thought it was really cool. Is you help someone secure an additional 10K in salary and benefits. Uh I'm curious, like take me through that. Like like what are some of the ways that someone out of school should negotiate like their salary? Should they negotiate their salary? even benefits what advice do you have 
coming out of school, you got you got to play scrappy, man. You got to think it's good. And I mean, we that's that's we've had to do that a lot too because we're a startup branch. We don't have the 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 muscle like like a big national brand's going to have. Yeah. Um, but by by playing scrappy and taking taking what you can to get your foot in the door, a foot in the door is all you need. You yeah. know, if if you if you've got some some value and you're bringing value to the organization, you're going to see the money will will come. If you're mm-hmm. if you're bringing the value, the money is going to be there. And I've kind of seen that in a number of, with the number of clients we've worked with, we we started out with really humble beginnings with, with them. And then now we're taken a lot more seriously as a partner to, to some of them. And that's, that's kind of afforded us a lot more opportunity to bring, to have those kind of negotiation questions with people or conversations with other people. Yeah. Um, but in terms of out of school, yeah, I would say play it scrappy. Don't have, have reasonable expectations. If you really want to make yourself super valuable. The number one thing I would tell people, and this this is doubly true, like for developers, I would say, but for anybody in IT, period, doesn't matter where you're at, if you get your foot in the door, no matter if it's the worst place you ever worked in your whole life, you hate every miserable day of it, stay there for three years. You mm. stay there for three years, you will almost double your value. You you, you have two years, 364 days, and you leave, you're a job hopper, and you're going to leave for the next dollar is what they're going to see you as. But that one extra day, you make it to three years and suddenly you're a model employee. This guy can do no wrong. He's obviously good at his job. And I don't know why the magic number is three, but it is. It, it, I've, I've seen that. I've lived it. It is, it, it is the strangest thing. But yeah, three years on the dot, man. That's, you're going to have a lot of people like me that will come around and tempt you to, to leave for a couple bucks more an hour. Don't do it. It's, it's, I, not gonna, it's not worth it. You know, like just stick it out and grind it for the first couple of years. Really make yourself valuable to them and, and learn everything you can from that environment. Yeah. So that way you have more transferable skills. And I would also say, especially for anybody that's not software, get into an MSP. You'll, you'll have 10 times the technical exposure you could get in an enterprise setting. Nice. And what I liked about that is like, if you can do it for three years, definitely learn all you can. So once you do go to your next job, you're able to articulate like what you've done and everything and really show yeah. your value. That's a good point. I, I always tell people this, the one piece of advice I give besides the three years, stay there for three years, take a journal with you to work, write down every technical thing you ever do. Number one, you'll build absolute rockstar resume content with that. And number yeah. two, inevitably, there's always one day, one time only one occasion, you're going to use this one niche piece of technology never again. But inevitably, that's the thing you got to know how to talk about to get into your next job. And either you got stuff written down about it, you can go back and add to your resume and, and sound intelligent about it, or you're the guy that shows up to the interview and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of worked with it one time, I sort of remember. And they're like, no, you've never seen this in your life. And it's, you, you, so you can set yourself up big time uh, for success with doing that. That's a, that's a huge thing, especially, I, I think, universally across IT. Focus on the keywords, write everything down step by step. What did you do? Perfect. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great episode. Got a lot of good advice out of that. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This is awesome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Always. Thank you. Have a good one.